It's January, and it's usually a time for a lot of us to think about our lives, our new year, whether that's worried about taxes or exercise and weight loss or whatever else it is. We tend to sort of that new year think about some of those things. And as you're looking at a new year, I'd like to ask you a question. How do you answer this question? How do you get ahead in life? In a sense, if somebody maybe a little bit younger than you came up to you, whether it's a relative, whether it's somebody at work, or whoever it might be, somebody you know, and they said, hey, you're a little bit further along than me, how, how do you get ahead in life? In a sense, how do you make life work? Well, in a sense, we're all answering that, aren't we? Whether we might sit here and say, well, I don't know. But we are all answering that just by how we live whether we can put it into words or not. What is the correct answer? There's a lot of answers, aren't there? You know, some people feel like it's fate. You know, I, I, really, you're just going to have to deal with whatever comes. You don't have a lot of control about that and how life works. For a lot, we've been raised in a culture that has said for a long time, well, it's by hard work. You know, that old, you pull yourselves up by the bootstraps. The old pioneer spirit, you travel across the prairie and you take that land and you make something of it. And of course, there's a lot who would say today, well, somebody else needs to fix my life. You know, I've got some issues that I can't handle and somebody needs to fix that for me. Well, the question I want us to wrestle with a little bit today is, does God even have an answer for that? In other words, does God have an opinion? If you ask God and said, God, how do you make life work? Would he say something? Or would he sit there with his arms folded and say, well, you figure it out. I've given you this world. I've given you everything you have. You'll figure it out. Or would he have something to say to us about how we fit the pieces of life together? Whether it's just our lives or our abilities or what we have, or the time He gives us, the people around us, how do we fit all that together in a life that works? Is there a correct answer? Well, before we answer that, and you can guess that I might suggest that God does have an answer for that, I want to ask you this question, what if God explained His answer? Would we listen? In other words, we all are living some kind of answer to that question just by what we're doing, how we live our lives, our priorities, etc. We have an answer, and our culture, our world has lots of answers that it gives us. And what if God said, okay, that's, that's how you've answered that question for the last however many years, but I want you to, and this is a tough question, if God said, my answer is over here, would you follow him? Now remember, you've been over here, and he's saying, that's not the way it works. Come over here and do it my way. Would we? If God laid out his plan to say, this is how you can really find a life that works, but it's not going to be like everybody else at work, does it? It's not going to be how all those people I watch on TV or I listen to or I follow online. That's not how they do it. 
God says, no, there's a different way over here. Would we really be willing to move over here and listen to his directions, his advice, his guidance? The hardest one being, what if it's not the way we've been living? And we all get comfortable, however we've been doing it, mostly. A few of us are miserable, but we keep doing it. But in general, we're comfortable with how we've been doing it. And what if he says, no, 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 no. Come on over here. Get out of that rut. It's like, oh, wait a minute, God. Now you're really meddling in my life. Would we be willing to do that? So I want us to look at that today. I've called it God's economy. It's a sense of how God lays out life, not just money. And that's why I didn't like the word economy, but I couldn't come up with a better one. If you look at it in a, in a society, we talk about the economy, but it's not just about money. It's about employment. It's about business. It's about all those things that sort of put together in life. Well, God has an economy for us, too. And he actually lays it out pretty early in the Bible. In the very beginning of the Bible, God is sort of dealing with all of humanity collectively. Adam and Eve, Noah, the Tower of Babel. God's sort of dealing with all of humanity. But as there gets to be more and more humans, God says, I need to, I need to have an example, a model, to show all of humanity what it's like to live with God and follow God. And so he comes along and he picks one person. His name was Abram. He became Abraham. And God says, from you, I'm going to make a nation. Still around today, the nation of Israel. But I'm going to use this nation as sort of my model, my prototype for humanity. Of how to live with God, how, how things can work and work well. And what life's like if you follow God. And pretty quickly, as he's talking to Abram, he lays out how things should work. His plan for Abram and his life and how to take all this and make it work. And that's what I want to look at today. God begins in the first part of Genesis 12, 2, and says, this is what I'll do for you, God, I, Abraham. This is what I, God, will do for you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And it's really an interesting story to look at because Abram didn't do anything to earn this. He didn't do anything to deserve this in the sense of his number of good deeds or anything like that. He's sort of living his life, married, family, and God comes along and says, I want to bless you. Like, wow. But now there is another half of that. And that is in God's economy. He says, this is what I'm going to do for you, but this is what I want from you. So let's read the second half of that into verse 3. God says, now I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And then at the end of the verse, he says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And what God is explaining to Abraham is that he is blessing Abraham for a higher purpose. It's not just as God says, I like you and I want to give you a lot of gifts. 
what God says is, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a lot of gifts. I'm going to make you a powerful nation. I'm going to make your name famous. But I'm doing that for a reason. Because as I bless you, I want you to take all that blessing and I want to use you to bless others. In fact, not just your people, your nation of Israel, I am actually going to use you to bless all the nations, all the languages, all the cultures, all the people. I want you to be that kind of blessing. And that's why I'm blessing you. If you keep reading through Genesis, actually God repeats this very same economy to Abraham's son and to his grandson. As each of them become the leaders of Israel, God says the same thing to them. I'm, just as I did for Abraham, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to all peoples. Three times in Genesis, God says that to three generations of Abraham's family. We start a new sermon series today that I've called Blessed because I don't believe God has changed his approach. I don't believe God has changed his advice that he would give us today. And if we ask God the question I started this sermon with, how do you make life work? I believe God would say the same thing to us that he said to Abraham and Isaac, and to Jacob. And he would say to us, I, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Why does God work that way? Well, I want you to think about this in, at two levels. First of all, that's how God works. Now, we don't think about it a lot. I've never heard a song about how blessed God is, but he is. I mean, he's blessed in who he is and all he has and his power and wealth and everything. But what does God say? I'm blessed. I want to be a blessing. And we celebrate what a generous God is, what a faithful God is, a faithful God he is. All that he gives to us, how he blesses us. So the, the guidance he gives for us for life, it's how he himself lives. He's not asking us to live any differently than how he himself lives. He is blessed, but he takes those blessings and blesses others. And just like himself, he asks us to be a part of that higher purpose. I told you, God's economy is different, and what if it is different? Would we listen? If you've been around a lot, I like stick figures and diagrams. This is how our world says life should work, isn't it? It's me. Gaining, having, gaining more, newer, better. And it's not just stuff. It's success, it's all kinds of things, and we live in a culture that says it's about me. And obviously, that's pretty comfortable, because all of us have that inner voice, that inner voice that was in Adam and Eve, 
every human wrestles with it, there is a part of us that likes self. And when somebody comes along and says, it's all about me, we like, yeah, I like that idea. And yet we live in a world where people have increasingly said, it's all about me. And yet I think we're all waking up to the truth that doesn't work. It's almost like you keep blowing into a balloon and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then everybody starts to cringe because we know what's going to happen. Sooner or later it's going to pop. Well, isn't that when we live life where it's all about me? It may feel good in the beginning, but as it grows and grows and grows and we got more stuff and more and more and more of everything, it sooner or later just... And it's like, what happened to all that stuff? All that meanness? And we have an increasing number of people saying, that didn't work. And God says it won't work. God would give us a different diagram. He blesses us in the middle. But he asks us to not just hold on to that me and what I gain, my blessings. He says, bless others. And that's how to make life work. Not just to hold on, not just to live for me, but to open our eyes as there are folks around us and we can be a blessing to them. We can pass on God's blessing. And you see, that's his economy. That's his design. Because he actually wants to bless all those people. But some of those people don't even know him, but we know him. And he says, I want to bless you so you can bless them and I can bless them through you. That's why he blesses us. It's not just God. Look at Jesus. Jesus, like his father, like, the, like God, that's how Jesus lived. Philippians 2 is probably the best place to read it. Jesus, who being in very nature was God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't take his blessings just for me. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And we know he went on to serve, to use his power, his blessings to heal the sick, feed the starving, notice the unnoticed, love the unlovable, and ultimately, finally, die for those who needed saving. Us. He was blessed to be a blessing. And of course, if you keep reading in Philippians 2, the result of that kind of living, how to make life work, we read that his name is now the name above every name. And sooner or later, every knee will bow and people will worship and praise him. Why? Because he lived with God's economy. He understood that he was blessed to be a blessing. And he lived that way as the Father has lived and lives that way. And that's why God comes along and says, that's my plan for you. It's a different way to live. Remember when I said, we're over here and marketing says, you need more of me. 
And you have desires, satisfy those desires. And competition says, I got to win. I got to have better than my neighbor. And it's all about accumulating and me and me and me. And yet our culture, our world is increasingly broken. When do we open our eyes and say, this isn't working? And realize that the God who created all of this, who knows all truth, all wisdom, all knowledge, says, it's not going to work. Doing it more, doing it longer, doing it harder, it still won't work. But if you'll come over and live like I live, live like Jesus lived, live like I told Abram, this is how it works, I will bless you. It struck me today, or this week, getting ready for this sermon. So many of us wrestle today and say, I can't do this by myself. I need help. And of course, our instinct as humans is to turn to government or somebody else to, to help me. But you know, God would say, you're right. If you're trying to live life all on your own, the conclusion will be, I, I need help. But God's answer is, I, I'm the source of help. Not government or any other organization or any other entity, I'm the source. Of, I want to bless you. But I want to bless you so that you can turn around and pass on those blessings and be blessing to others. We need to realize we are blessed. And I know... I know at times, and for some of you sitting here today, when the preacher stands up in front and says we're blessed, I understand the reaction would be, well, you don't know my life. And, 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 and I get that. I don't want to downplay that because you may be facing some really tough things in life. In general, most of us in this room, honestly, we're blessed. You read constant, all kinds of studies that in America we are wealth, more wealthy than 90% of the world's population. My wife and I have become a common joke among ourselves. That's a first world problem. And it is. I have too many cars for my garages. I, I don't, but, you know, that's a first world problem. I, I, we have all kinds of first world problems. We are blessed not just those who are the most wealthy among us or live in the nicest houses. Even when we're struggling, compared to the rest of the world, we are blessed. We're probably going to have three meals. We're probably having a warm place to sleep tonight. Now, does that mean God has fixed everything and that everything is easy and perfect in our lives? Probably not for some of us. But in a sense... Even when God doesn't move the mountain. And I've lived through that where God didn't do what I wanted. Often he will. I love songs like we sang, God can move the mountain. He can. But we also talked about that last week in prayer. There's times when even Paul prayed and said, God, I need this mountain moved. And God said, sorry, I can't do it. Because God was going to do something else that God, Paul finally realized was even better. 
And that's what I want you to hear. That when God brings us to something, He promises He will get us through it. He will work. He will help. He will guide. He will strengthen. He will sustain. He will teach. He will turn bad into good. And so I think ultimately, even when we are facing a challenge, we are blessed in the sense of we have a God who will be with us, the good shepherd who says, I will walk through the valley of the shadow of death with you. And not just with you, but using my rod and my staff to guide you and protect you and help you and get you through it. We are blessed people. But he wants us to be a blessing to others. He wants us to take those blessings that God gives us and to use our blessings to bless others. And it's not just for Israel and it's not just for Abraham. Look over in Acts 3. In preaching to the first Christians, not all of which are Jewish, and you, us Christians, are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. As he said to Abraham, through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. We as Christians are inheriting that blessing God spoke to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God is saying to us, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to all peoples on the earth. That's his economy. As we have our blessings to enjoy, our jobs, our health our homes, our life, our relationships, the people around us, where we live, what we have, what we enjoy, the friends we have at school, the good teachers at school we enjoy, the activities we enjoy. God says, I'm blessing you, but I'm blessing you because I want you to use those blessings to turn around and be a blessing to others. And the amazing thing in all this is that God promises us and says, if you'll follow my economy, if you'll understand that you don't need to hold on to your blessings and just say it's all about me and take in more and more and more and see how big you can get that balloon without bursting it, God says, you don't need to do all that. Because what I'll do is if you get it, If you learn economy 101 with God and you just pass on those blessings, he says, I'll just give you more. You're not going to run out. You don't need to hold on to them. I'm going to give you blessings and you turn around and use those to bless others. And if you do that, I'll just, here, have some more blessings. And as he learns that we are trustworthy, that we really do want to do it his way, we believe it works, he says, you can't outgive me. 
It's one of the few times, it's in the book of Malachi, we're not going to read it today, but it's one of the only times I'm aware of that God himself says in the Bible, I dare you to test me. I dare you to see if you can give away more blessings than I will bless you back. I've always thought about that. Well, that would be a fun dare. You talk about a win-win. Try and outgive God. Go ahead. He invites you to. Now, lest you think I'm making all this up, turn over to 2 Corinthians. And Paul is actually writing about some Christians who get this economy of God. And this is where Paul says, this is how God's going to work. Chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is a diagram of what Paul promises. If God blesses us, and we use those blessings to bless others, they're going to realize by us saying, this is from God. God gave me this, and I, he asked me to pass this on to you. He gave me this ability, and I, I don't I want to help you. And they're going to understand that, and their praise is going to go back to God. Not to us. But as believers, we're going to say, this is from God. God wants to help you. He wants to touch your life. And then, last diagram, Paul says if we do that, guess what? God's going to learn that he can give us even more. Because he knows we're going to pass it on. We're not trying to make our balloon bigger and bigger. And he's going to get more praise and glory and people realizing there is a God. And he's helping me. He cares about me. He sent this person to spend some time with me or to help me. Or whatever this person has done for me, how they bless me, I understand that's from God. God, I thank you for noticing me, for caring about me. And God says, that's what I wanted you to understand. And that's why I sent this person into your life, this neighbor, this coworker, this friend on the ball team, so they could spend some time and help you in your life. And in that process, they learn that God notices them. And God cares. And we get blessed doubly. Talk to anyone who spent some time blessing another life. And it's messy and it's dirty. But when it's all said and done, there is that sense of, wow, that was cool. That was neat that I got to help them out. We went around to our neighborhood at Christmas and gave gifts to our neighbors, some of whom I confess to you to my great guilt, I did not know their names. Go do that and watch the reactions of people. It was fascinating. Some people were reluctant to open their door. We had to talk through the storm door for a while, but I had an object to give them. So then they had to deal with, do I open the storm door? And that says a lot about our culture today. 
and they finally would. It was a purchased product, not homemade, because, you know, they didn't know if we had poisoned them. And they'd finally open the door. And then, of course, what's the second question that everybody today is asking? What do you want? What are the strings attached to this? And it would take multiple times for us to say, we're just your neighbors, we live over in that house, and we just at Christmas wanted to say Merry Christmas. We think we have a great neighborhood and great neighbors, and we wanted to say thank you. And I saw multiple speechless people. Because who gets blessed today without strings? Who gets blessed today without some angle? But isn't that who our God is? Isn't that how He is? And He says, I need you to live like me. Because I got people out there who don't talk to me, who don't even know me, but I care about them and I want to bless them. So I'm sending you. And I'll bless you first so you can. And I'll bless you if you'll be a blessing. And don't worry about running out of resources or time or abilities or whatever. I got your back. I got it covered. You just go be a blessing. And I'll bless you back. This is God's invitation. He says, I want to bless you so you can bless all peoples through me. And we're going to next spend the next four weeks applying this to specific areas of our lives because I'm sure some of you are saying this is all about money. And it's not. And I want us to understand this. It's about all of us. And so money, yeah, it's included. But it's about so much more than our money. It's about who we are. It's our abilities and our talents and what we can do. It's even about, and you want to be here for this, it's even about where we work. And some of you are like, yeah, right. It is. And where we live. And God says, I've put you there so you can be a blessing. And so we're going to look at each of those areas. How can we be blessed to be a blessing in different areas of our lives? And what I want you to see is the genius of God. Because when we start to look at those different areas of our lives through God's lenses, I'm blessed to turn and be a blessing. It transforms how we see our neighborhoods, how we see work, how we see our skills and abilities. All of that starts to change. And the exciting thing is we start to realize the God of the universe may have his hand on us and want to use us as his tool to touch other lives in just little ways. And we start to see our whole life differently. Will you live with God's economy? Will you at least come back and check it out? What it would mean to live a blessed life. Not just to take in, but to take in to bless others. That's exactly how Jesus lived. It's how God lives and it's how he asks us to live.
Let's pray. Father, first of all, thank you that you're a God who blesses us. And we enjoy those blessings, your help, even when we're in crisis, that you are with us. But Father, help us to understand it's not just about taking in and absorbing more blessings. That your vision, your dream for us is that we will turn and be a blessing like you. Open our eyes to this and to how it can be a more fulfilling life. Help us see your truth and the wisdom of your truth. Help us live as blessed people. In your son's name, amen.